my third time meeting a boyfriend's mom honestly had the greatest potential to be awkward or even disastrous because the only way to describe it was unintentional. Heartbreakers, another holiday, another solo episode. Of course, this time I'm unfortunately coming at you on the tail end of Thanksgiving weekend. So that means you've already had all of the awkward high school run ins. If you celebrated without a significant other, you've already fended off the family matchmaking offers and the questions of when you're going to settle down. And if you did celebrate with someone, you've already survived the awkwardness and unsexiness of overcoming a food coma in front of your partner. So congratulations. Hope you all enjoyed. Thanksgiving is actually a not-so-obvious milestone week for interstates and heartbreak. Two Thanksgivings ago, it was actually the first time that I recorded an episode with my friend Denzel. Honestly, I can still stand by saying it was a phenomenal episode Definitely go back and listen to it if you haven't. It's called Interstates and Tinder Dates. And the reason why I say it's not so obvious of a milestone is because, of course, I did not release Thanksgiving weekend. I didn't get my shit together and actually scrape together the time to produce and publish the podcast until 2020 during the pandemic. Also, Denzel pulled a solid and he edited my first episode for me as a seasoned podcaster who really knows what he's doing on the editing front before I took over for the following episodes. So if you do happen to listen to them chronologically, please be a little merciful. You'll probably be jarred to discover how vastly the quality differs between episode one and the remainder of those early episodes. Honestly, I can't even confirm or deny because I'm too embarrassed to listen back to them at this point, but that's what we call growth, right? Another fun throwback. In that first episode, I do talk about how I'd just gone home and as soon as I walked through the door and sat down on my mom's couch, no exaggeration, it could not have been more than 10 minutes later, I started receiving a lecture about my dating life and about how I needed to take it seriously lest I die alone. My mom hates this story, and we have actually cleared the air, and she admitted that this was not super chill when we recorded a later episode together. It's called Call Her Mommy, if you want to listen to that. So I bring this up not to roast her like a Thanksgiving Brussels sprout side dish. It's really just as a juxtaposition to this year, and actually as an explanation to why I'm unable to give an update on how my Thanksgiving went during this episode. So I bring this up not to roast her, but really just as a juxtaposition to this year. And actually also as an explanation as to why I will not be able to give an update on how my Thanksgiving went. So I've resolved not to bring my recording equipment down to San Diego so I can be even more present than normal and fully lean into the weekend because for the first time ever, I will have to survive a food coma in front of a significant other. I feel like celebrating a holiday with a partner is always a milestone of some sort. Like even the first time you spend a birthday together, I would even argue that your first Halloween that you decide to spend together marks a new step in certain ways. 
But in this case, it's not the way that bringing your partner home for Thanksgiving is often portrayed in the media, where it's the first time they're meeting your whole extended family for the first time, which I think would be stressful for anyone. That's low-key terrifying. First of all, my mom's the only one who lives in San Diego. And since my family didn't celebrate Thanksgiving when they grew up in Jamaica, it's not like this big thing for us all to convene around this specific holiday. So it'll be just me and her, no extended family. And more importantly, my mom has already met my boyfriend multiple times. So there's no added pressure of like the first meeting. But this whole thing and this whole milestone did make me think about the stress that is centered around meeting your partner's parents for the first time. And it made me reflect on how things are quote unquote, supposed to go versus how it really goes. And I feel like there's not always a realistic representation of the tiny things that can happen that just make you feel kind of awkward. It's either this picture perfect image, or an entire meet the parents style dumpster fire. So in the case of all of my ex boyfriends, I've met their parents at some point. That includes my ninth grade homecoming date who introduced me to his mom before we were official when she picked him up from the dance quite honestly marking the first time I can remember getting the ick from someone, but that is a different story. And in all seriousness, as I was thinking back to these first family meetings, I thought it would be fun to recount some of the moments that didn't go quite as perfectly as they should have, but still wound up being fine in hindsight to give you some solace if you're cringing about an awkward family moment that you experienced over the past few days. So the whole ninth grade underage relationship aside, the first time I met a real boyfriend's parents, I was 23. So a lot of time had passed between those two meetings. And on the podcast, I've definitely alluded to the fact that I was still immature at 23. And what I mean by that, it's in the sense that I was doing that thing where you're not having wild Tuesday nights like you're in college anymore because you now have a full-time job. But when you do go out on the weekends, you're still heavily pre-gaming these outings, even on a normal night, let alone when there's something to celebrate. So the night before my boyfriend's mom came into town was a friend's birthday. Not just any friend, but my roommate at the time, Arielle. We had a ton of mutual friends coming out. Some of our friends from high school were even coming up from San Diego. So it was a big deal. And at 23, there wasn't a question of, will I go out or like, Will I just leave the bar super early? I think if I were in a place where I was concerned about getting a hangover, I definitely would have rethought this, but I was 23. In my mind, I was invincible. All I needed to do was chug a ton of water, eat some Mexican food before bed, and I would be fine. And honestly, I was fine. This isn't some story where it's like, oh my God, it was the first bad hangover of my life. I woke up. I was super excited to meet my boyfriend's mom the next day and get brunch with him and his siblings. The issue was that obviously my boyfriend knew I was going out. He knew I was likely drinking a lot given the situation and who I was celebrating. And he told his whole family. And I feel like if his mom and his siblings weren't chill, he wouldn't have. But it's still... I still wish that he hadn't because no matter how spry and alert I felt, the stigma of the night before still followed me into this meeting. And so despite the fact that I had many subsequent family hangouts to prove that I wasn't a degenerate, the idea of this is still so uncomfortable for me. So ironically, the second parent meetup was kind of in the opposite vein. So This was arguably a much higher pressure situation. So I was 26 at the time, and this time I was actually flying to meet my next boyfriend's whole family. 
and I'd met the mom and one sibling separately, but this trip introduced me to his dad, his other siblings. I even met his grandparents at one point. And for context and a little bit of background about my relationship with like drinking and families, my mom is truly not a big drinker, like two beers in one sitting maximum and like light beers, like hardly beers at all, Coors Light. And the idea of drinking more than that with parents was just still different to me. Arguably, it still is. So the second night that we're there, we're hanging out at his house before dinner, and his mom pours me a generous glass of red wine. So nice. So I finish it, and, you know, dinner is still not ready. So before dinner is complete, she pours me another heavy pour. And I remember actively thinking, I need to sip this because I don't want to look disinterested. I don't want to look ungrateful, but I'm also really going to slow it down because I don't want to finish two glasses before we've even eaten anything. So almost immediately after I have that thought and the second glass has been poured, his dad starts making martinis, which he's apparently a big fan of. And to clarify, this was five years ago, like martinis had not been adapted into the espresso variety for basic bitches like me. This was a straight, dirty gin martini. And I don't like olives or straight gin. Honestly, I'm not even sure if I'd ever had a martini before that point because I truly can't imagine a situation where I would willingly mix straight alcohol with olive juice. So I sipped it thinking, surely this must magically transform after it's mixed together to taste like something other than these two ingredients, like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. No, it is not. I was proven to be sorely wrong. So now I'm nursing this gin martini. I still haven't finished the second glass of wine, and I'm trying to like take the tiniest possible sips of each one. Again, not to be rude, but also to remain sober. And his dad looks at me, looks at the martini, which has hardly been touched, and is like, you don't have to drink that. And honestly, as awkward as it was to give it back, all I could think about is how awkward it would have been to A, say, no, I really want it, and then continue to nurse the martini, or B, to accidentally get drunk on a martini before dinner. So I gave it back. And honestly, I don't think I've had a straight martini since. My third time meeting a boyfriend's mom honestly had the greatest potential to be awkward or even disastrous because the only way to describe it was unintentional. To be clear, I don't believe it was unintentional on the mom's part, but it was definitely not in the plans of the guy I was dating. In fact, Even calling him the guy I was dating at that point was a stretch. For anyone who's listened to those poorly edited first episodes, this was the ex who came on the podcast. He was in How to Date an Introvert. And I'm pretty sure this was literally the second or third time that we'd hung out after meeting at my friend's wedding. So we're talking about what to do that night. And he mentioned that his sister-in-law's family was hosting an event. It would have a lot of food, drinks, dancing. And he asked if I wanted to go. And for me, I was already like, okay, I'm going to meet his brother, sister-in-law, niece and nephew. Then we pull up to the event space. And as we're entering the parking lot, he says, oh, my mom's here. So he notices her car in the parking lot immediately, obviously. And apparently she didn't typically come to these events because the possibility of meeting her had never been addressed. And there was true surprise in his voice when he delivered that statement. But like, Can anyone really blame a mom for showing up if they hear that their single son is going to bring a girl they've never met to a family event? No, absolutely not. I would have done the same thing. So saving the best for last, the time that I met my current boyfriend's parents for the first time. 
So this was actually on election day last year, and I'd been planning to watch the results at his place when he texts me in the afternoon and says, do you want to watch with my parents? And they live in LA, so it's a pretty nonchalant thing to hang out with them. You know, it's not like someone has to fly in or it's this big to do. Obviously, I say yes. So we show up that night and his brother, sister-in-law, aunt, and cousin, who also all live in LA, wound up being there as well. And as I'm recounting this, it sounds like something that could have gone awry for a number of reasons. You're meeting multiple close, important family members in a kind of last-minute scenario. Politics are the central topic. Tensions are running high. However, luckily for me, they are all lovely, welcoming people, so it didn't go awry. But it wouldn't be a meeting the family story without something slightly cringy happening to look back at. So this also happened to be shortly after I tore my Achilles. I think it was the early, early stages where I had a cast and crutches to help me get around. And we were all watching outside on their patio to social distance. And I went inside briefly to like get a drink from the kitchen or something. So everyone's being very caring and concerned. And they're all like, are you sure that you don't need help getting down the stairs or getting in? Because there are like three short steps leading from the patio to the kitchen. And I distinctly remember being like, I've got this. I don't want to seem high maintenance. So I insist that I'm going to be fine. I balance on my good foot and I grab the hand railing and I start to just hop down one step at a time. And I'm wearing like a block heeled open toed sandal. So it's not even like the most sensible shoe, but I was like, it's fine. It's not that crazy. It's like a two inch heel. And I make it down two steps before getting to the third step and twisting my ankle entirely. Like I almost fell to the ground. And then naturally everyone freaked out. So in my attempt to not be high maintenance at all, I wound up being more high maintenance and just drawing all this attention to myself. But of course, I just had to put on this brave face, even though in my mind I was like, oh my God, my dumbass just like ruined my one good foot. And now I'm going to have to go back to the doctor. Who knows what's going to happen to my ankle? Thankfully, it was fine because I really can't imagine what I would have done if I had a torn Achilles and a twisted ankle at the same time, but it was quite literally an example of pride cometh before the fall. Anyway, obviously none of those are wild stories about losing the family cat and spray painting a replacement, and if you don't get that reference, you should honestly watch Meet the Parents immediately. I just share those to say that if there's something that you're ruminating on that, you know, made you feel slightly uncomfortable around your significant other's family, just give yourself some grace, like the chances that it's going to be the moment that drives a wedge between you and their family or causes the eventual downfall of your relationship is so minute, unless maybe you did actually black out on martinis and then do something egregious. So can't help you there. And even though the holiday is technically over, I wanted to say I'm so thankful for all of you listeners and for anyone who's ever shared the podcast to a friend who has posted about it on your Instagram. That means so much. And just hearing that the episodes resonate with you is really what keeps me going through all of this. And I also just welcome all of you to share your awkward relationship holiday stories. I'm here for all of it. You can DM me on Instagram, either at Interstates and Heartbreak, all spelled out, or at Leslie Nope, L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E. Or if you are old school, you can email me at interstatesandheartbreak at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. 
Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.